You are listening to Wait a Minute with Beth and Jessica, episode 36. I'm Jessica Pearson, certified life coach. And I'm Beth Barnett Babel, integrative nutrition therapist. Before we get started, I wanted to do a quick recognition that this episode is airing around our one year podcast anniversary. Is it really? Yes. Good for you for remembering. I know. I feel like we forget our like work anniversary because it's in the summer and we're busy or not busy enough. Not and so we just kind of, yeah. So I was like, hey, we started this podcast September 2021. Hey. And so I just want to pat ourselves on the back. I'm proud of we us for we made showing it. up. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And I just, I think it's like we talked ourselves through the noise of like maybe why we're all the reasons why we're not supposed to do a podcast. Right. But mm-hmm. instead we both decided to listen to the voice that said this would be fun for us and that we love it as a creative outlet and we actually enjoy doing it. And, you know, over the last year, I think we've both had friends and, and listeners who reach out to tell us that they've found value in it, which is totally the mm-hmm. icing on the cake. Yeah. I mean, I can think of several where people are like, oh, that was really interesting. And it made them, especially some of our guests that we've had on, mm-hmm. you know, for example, the pelvic floor one recently, people mm-hmm. been like, whoa, and kind of thinking about not even from a post-pregnancy thing, but just as pelvic floor in general and what that is. So yeah. And I love how we've been able to tie all these other topics to diet culture too. Yeah. I mean, in a way I don't love it because it just shows how expansive it is, but it's also just so great to know that like, there's all these other ways that people could bring in awareness through other facets that aren't necessarily through seeing a nutritionist or something like that. So anyway, I thought you might like this too. It was kind of funny when I was on my girls weekend last weekend, one of my like very best friends that I've known since elementary school was like, how much money do you get for doing this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> she thought we were like Scrooge McDucking, like diving in gold coins and just like, I was like, oh no, we're not monetizing it yet maybe someday but I was like we really just do it for fun and because it provides value to people that might not you know be in a place to work with us at this time yeah wouldn't that be something I guess because there is the people out there and you know the famous podcast people that do make like a ton of money off of it you can absolutely you totally can and I'm like I wonder what how and why but anyways and you know so I don't know if you guys listeners have noticed that we at this time don't have ads on it and we do that for a reason yes we could do that to create income for us but we're not ready or nor do they want to do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I think right now we have on average about a hundred listeners, which is amazing. And I'm so glad you were all here and thank you for your support. But I think we would need like a thousand to even I don't even know how many listeners would need. Oh, and you know what? It's not like anything that's ever been important to me because it's not why Yeah, it's not why we I do wanted it. to do it. Yeah. It's not at all why I wanted to do it. It's wanting to get the information out without having to write. Yes. We're like, thank goodness. We're, we suck at blogging. It is so hard. And I still will like post something because it's like, oh, we need SEO or the, you know, the internet bots need some new content, but it's really like blogging was never our thing. And podcasting just seems to come a lot easier to us. I agree. <sighs> okay. Well, I wanted to talk about emotional eating again. I know, I don't think we've done like a specific podcast on emotional eating, but- I- we do talk about it in various other topics, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so the reason why I want to talk about it in depth today is because like it came to my attention that someone might be emotionally eating but have no identification or recognition or like mm-hmm. they wouldn't call it emotional eating. Okay. So then therefore like me talking about emotional eating doesn't like the message won't get across to them because they're immediately like, but I'm not an emotional eater. I do this other thing. Right. So this is my friend who's a life coach. She's been a guest on our podcast and she, you know, her her coaching skill set is different. This is not her zone of genius. Right. <laughs> and so she came to me and she's like, you know what? I just now realized I am an emotional eater. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that I was emotional eating because my definition of emotional eating is different than what I thought it was. Oh, so she's like, if you had asked me a week ago if I was an emotional eater, I would have said absolutely not. You know, because in her mind, and what I think a lot of people think emotional eating might be is like we're seeking self worth in food, right? Or we're having an emotion like sadness and trying to fix or escape that feeling with food. Okay. And she was thinking, well, I'm not sad. And I am pretty self-confident. I have all the self-worth in the world. But here's my problem is I just can't stop eating. Mm. Like I just have to overeat and I don't know why. Is it like a continual eating or like at mealtime she keeps going? I think it's both. So for her at mealtime, she is seeking the physical sensation of overfulness mm-hmm. because to her it felt very satisfying and safe to feel mm-hmm. overfull. Mm-hmm. But then also at times she would find herself like over snacking, right? You know, you come home mm. from work and then she's like, I needed a snack. But then it was like, I couldn't stop snacking because she was also at snack time seeking that sensation of overfulness. Gotcha. So I know I can identify with the feeling of overfulness as well. And so I can see why maybe you wouldn't think that was emotional eating, but it totally is. Yes. I actually have heard of this and do work with people about feeling overfull, yes. like being feeling beyond satisfied to be okay to stop eating. Yes. Which I think is different than when you eat too fast and then you realize you've eaten too much and you're uncomfortable from the sensation of having that much food in your body. And so those are those are different. And I too do this certain times and particularly I notice it around my really big childhood comfort foods. If there's anything that involves cream gravy, which is very <laughs> hard for me to stop. Like I it just is so yeah, comforting. It's so good. It's so good. And then the, all the sensations are so comforting to me that I go beyond and I know it. I can hear myself in my head being like, I need to stop because I am full, but I am unable to. Yes. Yes. I think that this is like- it's gone. Yes. This is so, so, so common because we're not necessarily identifying with any other feeling. We're not necessarily identifying that we need to fix a feeling or even that we need to create a feeling. It's just like, oh, this food is so delicious. I want to keep going. But it's so delicious to me because of all of the like many years of comfort comfort of those tastes. Yeah. So I'm really emotional in a positive way. Right. In one sense, because it is so comforting. But in another sense, it's not a positive because now I'm really, really uncomfortable once my stomach has let my brain know what all is happening, how full it is and how uncomfortable it is. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and actually, so this person also did share. She's like, I also noticed that I do eat quickly mm. because she's rushing to that sensation. Oh, oh that's interesting. Like she, I've yeah, not it's heard not that one. Yeah, it's not like a mindless, oh, I'm eating fast. Like she is aware, mm-hmm. or at least now she is aware. She's like, mm-hmm. I know I eat quickly because I'm I'm running towards that feeling of overflowness. Wow. And so for her that's good awareness. Yeah. I mean, well, that's why I was like, okay, this is the life coach coming in. Like, I know that you right. have some skill sets in this, but it just wasn't connecting to the food part of it for her. Uh-huh. And then for her too, like her kind of new mantra, the thoughts that she'd been working on is like, I can feel satisfied and safe. So like uh-huh. for her, the safety component came in when I'm not over full. Like I can stop when I'm like regular full mm-hmm. and still feel safe and satisfied. Right. So that like for her and like, you know, because she knows how to self-coach, it's like a quicker connection. But, you know, I think for a lot of people that we work with, this is something that does take a lot of time. Yeah, because what I think happens is, is over time, like we oftentimes as kids are able to stop when we're done, you know, that whole like, you know, coming and going and grazing. And, you know, sometimes as a kid and your growth spurts, you don't don't recognize it as a kid, but you know, retrospectively as an adult seeing it in kids, you know, growth spurts, like sometimes you eat a lot, sometimes you don't, but our parents would put something on our plate and be like, oh, you have to finish it or like, no, you need more, but not understanding where a kid might be in that hunger, not hunger thing based on, on growth cycles. And so we get so conditioned to eat more and to go beyond what we're feeling. And mm-hmm. so then we start to identify that I'm done when I'm over full. Mm-hmm. I bet many of us actually really struggle with that definition of what is enough feeling, yes. Yes. physical feeling in your stomach. Yes. I know that that took me, I bet I probably didn't really think about it for well, well into my adulthood. Oh, absolutely. I think you start to figure it out like when you're eating a lot more vegetables and like things that aren't as delicious as pizza and ice cream. (laughs) Because you're like, oh, this, you kind of get actually bored of eating sometimes when you're eating like a lot of fibers. You're like, oh, actually, like this is what full feels like because I also don't want to keep chewing. (laughs) Sometimes I would recognize that and I'm like, oh, oh, okay, this is where the level is for me. Mm-hmm. And then so what's like when you learn that, then you can carry it into those comfort foods where it's like, oh, I can stop halfway through this chicken fried steak or whatever. Yeah, there's that. And then also sometimes when you cook for yourself or you go to certain restaurants where the portion sizes have come down, that is helpful because we are also visual eaters as well. And so I think that that can play a role into it. But anyways. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that for a lot of people too, it's like that the clean plate club, yes, can come from parental direction. It's a learned behavior. Some it can also be visual. Yeah, it's visual. It can it can also be tied to like waste, you know, like mm-hmm. whether that was from your parents or from yourself. It's like this idea of I don't want to waste food. So I feel like I have to eat it all because it's not mm-hmm. going to be good tomorrow. And so we just kind of talk ourselves into overeating for a lot of reasons. And mm-hmm. then we're not necessarily connecting it as something that's emotional. And so 
What I also want to offer is like, we're humans. Mm-hmm. We all have feelings. We are mm-hmm. all emotional and we're all driven to want to feel good, right? It's like right. most people are emotional eating at some point in our lives, if not even on a daily basis. So I just want to be clear. It's not like a bad thing that we have to completely eradicate and never mm-hmm. do again. You know, I think, mm-hmm. I don't, do you know anybody like personally that just doesn't eat any feelings whatsoever or doesn't use food for pleasure ever? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah acquaintances yeah I mean I know I don't know anybody close but yes I know of of no acquaintances that basically they do food meetings only because that's like an easy way but they really could care less about food and so by food meetings you mean like hanging out at a meal time well no like a work meeting Oh, okay. And so like, it's just like a convenient way to get work meetings at a mealtime for multiple people, but they'll just eat real quick so they can get on to like the thing that they really want to do, which is to work, but they really could care less about, and they eat the same thing over and over and over and over Mm. and over and over and over again. And so, yeah, there are people that I am aware of that could care less about food. Yes. Yes, which is fascinating to my so brain. So fascinating, which I guess that's how the Soylent stuff came to be. Like that kid was in college and didn't care about food. And so he's just trying to figure out how he could survive and not yeah. have to worry about cooking or sourcing food. Which is a good point because even those people that don't have their brain wired for that, it can still be a struggle to figure out the food part because there's le- even less desire. So they're like, how do I just make this super functional and easy for me? Correct. Which we do get. So, yeah. You know, so my brain is not that. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. And I would say most, like, you know, probably 75% of our clients are not that for the mm-hmm. most part, you know? So it's just interesting to think like, Oh, yeah, there are people out there that, you know, this just doesn't occur to them, which is great. Yeah. So would you say then that as you're talking about this, I'm thinking, okay, would you say that those then that identify with being a foodie and really needing to get a lot of satisfaction from most of their meals would then fall under emotional eating? Like 100,000%. I know we used to be identify as foodies, as you guys, if y'all listen, then, you know, we met in culinary school and it's very much a part of our culture and that most meals, especially in the United States, because of the wide variety of different foods that we can get from different backgrounds. And so we feel like most of our meals should be exciting in some way. Yeah. Like it's always should be an experience in some capacity. Yes, I yes, and, I used yeah. to think that every meal should be like the best meal I've ever had. When our coach was teaching this concept to me and she was like imagine planning a trip to Italy and not even googling one restaurant. I was like, that's crazy. Come, come like, again? <laughs> yeah, I was like I don't understand like this does not compute for me, but it really got my wheels spinning. Like that really yeah. made me think like, wow, I put so much value, or at least I used to put so much value into like the experience of eating food and like the feelings that it gave me and why I did it. And mm-hmm. just that aha was so big for me. Cause now like I am going to Asheville with some friends and we're like trying to make plans. And I'm like, you know what? I really don't care. Like I think there's one restaurant 
not on my radar. But like, if we mm-hmm. get to eat there, that's great. But if not, it's not going to ruin my trip. I'm not going to think twice about it because it's just not why I'm going. Right. There's like all these other reasons why I want to go on a trip and experience other things. Like the food is just ancillary. Concha. I mean, you want things to not be gross. Well, of course, but, but I also know you're that not <laughs> planning it around all of the meal times. Like I know that where did we go? Was it when we went to California for your trip like eons ago? Yes. And when we like had, it was like, like a bachelorette party. Yeah, we like you know, because it was all of us from culinary school. So we like had like, we based the whole trip off of where we were eating, eating drinking things. Yeah. Which is <laughs> and like. And the sites were all secondary. It was like, we were basically seeing things in between all of the eating events that we had created yeah. for four days. I think when you're in one country, you know, that's like probably going to happen, but also like. And I don't know, I guess sometimes you do have to plan things because now everybody needs a reservation and everything's right. so crowded. Oh, so you do yeah. have to think ahead about some things if you want to like not eat fast food. <laughs> so, right. But the mindset I think would be different now than mm-hmm. how we kind of looked at it then where it's like, yeah, like if we get to it, it's great. But if we also like just need to grab something along the way, it's going to be fine too. Mm-hmm. So yes, the people that I identify as foodies, they're like, they're, there's often a fear where they're like, I'm a foodie and I really enjoy food. So like it scares me at the idea of changing my relationship with food because what does that mean? I don't want to just live off chicken and broccoli and we don't want that for you either. No. We want people to still have that that joy, but also being like, why does every meal need to be that exciting? Mm-hmm. Like it was a real good breaking point for me when I was like, lunch gets to be as boring as I want it to be and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like I, you know, it's totally fine for me to have boring meals and by boring they still taste good like I'm not eating bland things I have condiments and seasonings and things like that but it's like my definition of what needed to be really changed it's really really great it's yeah. very free. It's very freeing yes, in my it, head it does offer you freedom because then you're not trying to make everything you're not asking food to solve the problem of boredom or excitement or to be excitement all the Mm -hmm. time. So yeah, you might, so it's like you might be an emotional eater if you're planning your life around the food. Mm -hmm. If the food is the first focus of every trip you plan every night out with friends, it's like, if that is the top of the tier, that might be emotional eating. You're also going to be more driven to overeat in those situations because like, if that's the focus and that's why you're there, then it's like, you got to go all in, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas like, oh, if I'm there to connect with my friends and to catch up, it's like the food is there. I'm going to enjoy it. But I also Mm -hmm. don't need to overeat in that moment because it's not the end all be all. Yeah, I have some girlfriends from childhood that now we all live in Austin now. And so we meet up pretty regularly in one of our, we we do like a Sunday morning for coffee or a Sunday dinner, depending on what everybody's schedule is. And we go to the same two places over and over and over again because we don't really care (laughs) about the food. And so we just pick a good general meeting location for everybody. And it's the same place over and over again. We don't really care. We just meet or just 
creating the container of time to be able to meet up and be together. Sometimes the food is even distracting from those connections when it's like a loud restaurant and there's, you know, like, you know, I don't know, sometimes it's like, oh, I'd rather do something that's not even food related just so that we can actually like. Yeah, we keep trying that. And (laughs) yeah, one of the friends like keeps being like, well, can we do something that's not around food? And I'm like, that would be nice. But then like I get distracted. I actually want to sit down and talk. And so, yeah. Yeah. And then if it's, you know, so that's why sometimes we'll do it around in the morning for coffee and tea. But I just met with a friend at a sauna. So we sat in a sauna and just sweat our faces off. But we talked the whole time. (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was great. I was like, this was great. Because otherwise I would just be by myself with my thoughts or maybe I'd be tempted to watch the Netflix they provide at the sauna place. But I don't know. I thought it was kind of a fun meeting. That is a fun meeting. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Because it's too hot to meet up for walks around here. I just can't do it. Yeah. So, okay. okay. You you might also be an emotional eater if you are a heavy snacker. And I want to clarify, you can snack if you're hungry. We're not asking you to not snack. If you're hungry, eat. But what we see a lot, or at least I do, I don't know about you, Jessica, but is to change being bored at work or needing a break from work. So you are snacking to change your, your state of being and not checking in to see if you're yeah, hungry. Yeah, we've talked about it. It's yeah. like, well, why are you snacking and do you like your reason? And that's mm-hmm. it. But a lot of times, you know, we're snacking because it's like, oh, I didn't eat breakfast or I had a really light lunch because people are focusing on being good or sticking to their diet for the first half of the day. And then by the second half of the day, they're starving and then mm-hmm. the snacks go through the roof, right? And so then it's, yeah. not, it's not like great rhythm. You know, it's not a great pattern to be in. So thinking about food rhythm and like, can I put my effort into focusing on getting, you know, my hearty meals in. And if I'm still hungry, you definitely get a snack in too. But yeah, living off snacks and just like the snack culture of like, you go to the store, you know, you go to Costco, they're like, get these keto peanut butter cups and these keto, like all of the snacks. And it's like, we don't really need those. And like, why are we eating them? Is it just to fulfill something or to feel a feeling that we don't want to feel or to create a feeling of excitement or joy when we're not feeling that? So just thinking about like, why do we snack might be a clue. And then yes, you might be an emotional eater if you are overeating. Any form of overeating is emotional eating. We just may not be thinking about it that way, right? Where it's like, I'm just eating to that level of fullness that we talked about. And we're not necessarily connecting it to a sense of feeling or emotion. Mm -hmm. It's more that physical level of fullness that provides that satisfaction and comfort. So just noticing like, am I overfull at every meal? Am I snacking till I feel overfull? It seems like, I don't know, that may or may not be a problem for you. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's only like none of this might be a problem for you. The only reason why we would really want to examine it or shift the relationship with it is if we're stuck in like that shame guilt spiral with these things, or it may be affecting your physical health. Like if we're not metabolically healthy or if we physically feel unwell and not able to continue tasks that we want to do, then mm-hmm. I think it would be something to look for. But you know what? If you're doing these things and you're totally fine, then just ignore us. Right? <laughs> yeah, because I was just, you know, as you were talking through that, I was thinking, well, you know, eating fast might be the exception. But then it's like, well, why are you eating fast? Because are you eating fast just to, like you mentioned before, how she was doing it. But there are some people that are eating fast just to get it over with because they don't want to eat slow because slowing down for that much time to properly, you know, for that 10, you know, 10, 15 minutes 
to eat by themselves is just too much. Right. And I just not thought about that. I'm like, oh, dang, like, you know, not even wanting to spend the time 10, 15 minutes to eat in a slower way so your brain and your belly can communicate on what's coming in so it can nourish you. Yeah. And so even like, the discomfort of slowing down. I miss eating more slowly. And I was actually telling my friend during this, all this conversation we've had back and forth over the week about emotional eating. I was like, I think one of the hardest transitions into motherhood for me was like not being able to eat the way that I like to eat. Mm. Having having a newborn and now a toddler who will sit at the table for five minutes. And like now it's actually okay because like we'll clean him up and now he'll actually go play a little bit while I Mm -hmm. can sit and eat. So I'm finally getting back to the ability to like enjoy a meal with him mm-hmm. where before it was like I would just shovel food in because it might be the only chance I get to eat at that right. moment. I do remember that totally. I hate that. It, it just the sensation of eating quickly gives me anxiety. Yeah, I know. But like I am a fast eater and it is so hard to like slow down. I mean, I can slow down and will slow down, but I have to be really conscious of it because yeah. I've always been a fast eater. Why do you think that is? Because my family is a fast eater. That's just handed down. <laughs> yeah, it's this is like so I can like think of our family and my bonus mom is the slowest eater <laughs> by a long stretch. And then I was the middle person, but sometimes I could eat faster than my dad. Yeah. So it just is like, it's just how it was. And then college and then, you know, having, you know, when you work jobs, you know, you have like 15 minutes on your break to eat. Yeah. You know, like some of it was just, you know, overtime lifestyle and you just got to get it. And then having a kid. So there were just a lot of times where circumstances were circumstances creating the need to eat quickly. Yeah. And it, after having a kid, that was the hardest to get rid of was eating that fast. And there are times I'm like, well, but yeah, I, I do work at it because I know it is a thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's like just because you're eating quickly doesn't necessarily mean it's emotional, but it is something to kind of think about like, wait, why am I eating fast? Like, is this something that I have to do for my survival or can I slow it down a hair? (laughs) Yeah, because for me, the reason why, you know, it's not to prevent overeat. I mean, that is particularly that could be a reason for me, but mostly at a restaurant, but to eat fast, it makes my stomach hurts. Like I don't have the best digestion. So I'm, you know, that's something that I'm often having to work at is to, you know, make sure my digestion is working well. And if I eat too fast, then my stomach is not doing so hot. So yeah. Yeah. So that's like, that's like the main driver for me is to make sure my body can actually digest all my food. Yeah. So another reason why you might be an emotional eater is if you find yourself using food as a reward, which a lot Mm -hmm. of us were taught to do, right? Mm -hmm. It's like we go to the doctor, so now I've earned an ice cream or, you know, I did this thing and now I've earned this thing that we just, we make that connection Mm -hmm. and it's like not necessarily tied to physical hunger. It's because we think that we earned it and need it to, you know, reward ourselves with food. So Mm -hmm. again, it's not bad or good. It just is. But like, if you notice that this is a continuous pattern that's not serving you, it's something to consider. What else? I don't know. This one's just a little harder to identify because this is kind of like where my friend was at, right? It's like you're trying to create a feeling with food, but sometimes you don't realize that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So like, what's an example of that? Of like trying to change the way you're feeling with food? Well, I think that's the classic trying to change how you're feeling with food because 
Well, for that, for the other reason, I don't know like what, but like for me, when I think trying to change a feeling with food is, is like, if you're mad, sad, whatever, and you want that feeling to go away, food can, for some people be used in that way to comfort or to have an escape. And so that to me is classical emotional eating of what people associate those terms with. But the other one, I don't know, I would need some time to think about that. Well, because here's the thing. It's like these, to me, they mean the same thing, whether you're trying to create a feeling with food or to change a feeling with food. I'm like, Mm -hmm. is that not the same thing? But like, they could be very different. Right. But in both of them, or at least in changing the way you are feeling with food that means you do know what you're feeling Mm. it's like no I, I disagree you don't think so no because I think the way that it shows up for a lot of people that I have worked with is that they didn't realize that that was happening it's something that they developed early on where they could not put those two together and so then it continued on through mm. adulthood and so it's then, like the coping mechanism is continued, but they're not connected with the actual feeling. Correct. Yeah. So then it's like, then they're, you're also not aware that you're trying to create a feeling. Like, so there's like avoiding the feeling, but we try to create a new feeling to avoid the feeling. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm not making sense. But <laughs> That's, I mean, I get it, but yeah. So yeah, it's like, what are we trying to create? It's like, I'm trying to create a sense of joy, a sense of control, maybe a sense of excitement, or even just, it might be emotional, or it could be physical, and it could be both. Right. But it's like, what am I trying to do with food? It feels like such a harsh reality or a harsh answer, because that mm-hmm. little foodie still does live inside me. <laughs> but it's like, using food for any other purpose than just physical nourishment is emotional eating. Yeah. And that's okay. Right? Totally. Because, <laughs> you know, I, you know, we've mentioned this before. We do still consciously emotional eat. Like, it's like, I know that I'm doing this and I'm okay with it. And yeah. Yeah. So. There's, I think there's reasons why we would want to include it at times, you know, we're yeah. just like, this is just what I want and that's okay. So, yeah, I just, I guess. The whole point of this is I just want people to understand, like, it's okay if you're an emotional eater. Maybe you don't identify as one. You don't have to create a sign and carry it around with you. Like, we don't have to put labels on things, you know. (laughs) But it's for the people who are like, I don't know why I'm overeating. I just do. Yeah. And for a lot of those people, there is an emotional component. Maybe we're just not connecting with it. And so it's like, what are a series of helpful questions or how do we get you connected to that so that we can accept it, you know, like ourselves with it, and then maybe it shifts or maybe it doesn't. It's totally up to you. Very well said. We keep our eyes peeled for things in the media or in real life that come from diet culture or that perpetuate diet culture in some way. These are often the subtle ways it creeps in, which is why we are shining a light on it and sharing it with you. I was talking to my trainer about this. My algorithm, it's not as bad as it was, but it was stuck on like millennials at the gym, like always working, how they like record themselves like working out and they Mm -hmm. have like all these like inside gym people jokes and stuff. And so it's like all these like really super fit, muscular people that lift like a lot of weights. It's really amazing to me. And that's not my reality. Anyway, somehow I got into this video. And so one of the things that keeps popping up is this concept of 
fat burn, but it's within the specific culture. Yeah. And that the science, the trick, the golden is not running because that will annihilate all things that you're trying to do, blah, blah, blah. But it is doing the treadmill at, it's called 3-12-30. Treadmill at three miles per hour, 12% incline, and for 30 minutes. And that is the magical fat burn. That's the magic number. That's the magic number. And the way that it is presented feels a little bit like... It feels tree to me, but you know, I don't, it's so interesting to me because it's like, well, it's because they're like, this is the way. Yeah. Right? They're like, this is the thing that is going to definitely burn your fat. And to allow for that muscle cut, you know, definition cut right. look. Yeah. Right. And then any other way other than like the, the only other thing that has been offered, what I can tell <laughs> when I get stuck in these video algorithms is the Stairmaster thing. And they do that also at a very slow rate. That's funny that you call 12 miles an hour slow because I'm like, that's... Like no, great. no, no. 12% incline. Oh. Three miles per hour oh. at 12% incline for 30 minutes. Okay. That's their magical formula. So his take on it, because he's seen other things that are similar to that, is like one or two people are like, this is the thing. And then everybody repeats it as if... It were true. How do they make money on that? I have no idea. Because oh, I guess the the likes and the, you know, and somehow that gets monetized. I have no idea. I'd be curious what they're actually selling. Maybe they're not just like selling a- anything. It's them. It's like their personal brand. Uh, so they're just like them. trainers, though. Well, some of them are trainers, and some of them are just people that go to the gym and record themselves. <sighs> it's a culture I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how everybody records their whole life of things uh, but yeah. it's on the tiktok except for that i watch it on instagram because everybody puts their tiktok on instagram yeah you're like thank you for sharing because i don't want to be on tiktok yeah so that's the thing that i see all the time is is like if you run then you're destroying yourself but if you do this way, it is the way to fat burn. Huh. I'm like, is it? I mean, I can see how it's like good for you, like overall in general. Yeah, like it's not hurting anybody, but it's just the promise of like, this is definitely what it's going to do for you. Yeah, and, it's and like, all we don't other know. things will create problems. Yeah, it's like we don't yeah. know that. Yeah. And I guess that's why it's diet culture is because ultimately we want people to be able to like be free to explore and also to have the wherewithal to know, does this feel good on my body? is it working for me or is it not working for me? Only you know, mm-hmm. not this random Instagram person that tells you that they know. Right. So it's like, sure, try it. You could always try it. But then like, mm-hmm. if it's not, it doesn't feel good to you, then it's okay to try something else. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm thinking 12% incline. Could I do That's that for deep. 30 minutes? I don't think you I could. could. <laughs> You'd be sore if it was your first time. I mean, how many times a week do you have to do that every day? I have no idea. I, that is not explained in these quick videos on the only way to fat loss. Because I don't know how often these folks do cardio, how much that's right. played There's- in to their thing. Do they do cardio daily? I don't know. I'm not a big like, you know, heavy weightlifter in that way. So I don't know what the culture is. Well, and the weightlifting world is so different because they're like, this week we're shredding and this week we're gaining. And it's like, (laughs) everything is so... (laughs) 
I love it. <laughs> it's really intense. Oh, I feel like that is like, yeah, that made me think of like, you know, monster trucks. So it's like the monster truck rally. <laughs> I've, literally, I've been lifting. watching monster truck videos with my toddler. So maybe that's where oh, I've gotten it. Yeah. I always think, because one of my favorite things to do is Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> So whenever it's Sunday, yeah. that is like what I think about, even though it's like the most day ever. I'm like ready for it. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Monster truck rally on my couch. Yeah. So we were watching a monster. <laughs> this is such a tangent, but we were watching yeah. a monster truck video. And Josh uh-huh. was like, my husband was like, why is this fun for them? <laughs> Like the ones where they're like going in the mud and like sometimes they get stuck. And he was like, what's so fun about getting stuck in the mud? Now you got to get out and like get your truck out of the mud. I was like, I don't know. This is all my worst nightmare. All part of the show. But yes. So anyways, yes. The shredding and the cutting and the bulking and the things. And yeah, I don't get it either. And it's fine. I love people that are able to like get that into something, you know, as long as it's with, you know. Yeah. Like I got to respect their passion, but also like, I don't know if I'm going to take advice from that person because our lifestyles are so different and that's not what I aspire to be. So like, am I really going to listen to you or would I listen to somebody more aligned with the results that I want or whatever? Yeah. And why is that the only way really for me? So like, is that true? I don't know that that's true. Awesome. I sure hope we gave you something new to think about today and helped you take one more step on your path to freeing yourself from diet culture. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at path underscore nutrition. If you're looking to work with us, please visit our website at pathnutrition.com to get started and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.